We are so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. It's a very special day. The Lord made it. We're here to fellowship with each other, and we're here to fellowship with him. One of the things that crossed my mind yesterday uh, as we were driving for a very long time, <clears throat> my temp mind tends to wander on things when we're driving for a very long time. You realize what God has done for us? Have you wondered that yet today? It's a daily thing. It's a daily ponderance that we should really subscribe to. Because the scripture says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Him who knew no sin, Jesus, would become sin for us that we could have his righteousness. Let's stand together, please. Yeah. 
Heavenly Father, how awesome it is that we can gather in this place to worship you, our audience of one, our Messiah, our soon coming King. Father, may our hearts be open before you this morning. May we give you the glory of our lips, our hearts, and our minds. But Father, as the great physician, we do surgery on our hearts this morning. So that what you do with what we hear changes us and conforms us to the image of your Son. That we can have an ever clearer, more powerful testimony to a lost and dying world. Father, we pray and ask all of these things, praying expectantly in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Please, welcome one another real quickly, real fast, because Carl's on his way. Okay, that's good. Do you remember the person that you shook hands with? Did you get their name? I hope so. I just want to remind you that uh, we have a, a, a text-based platform that you can go if you're a visitor here. And if you don't know too much about uh, Anastasia Church, we, we'd invite you to, uh, to go to that uh, base at Connect. It's 904-441-6900. And then there's a digital bulletin there as well. It would give you the news for, uh, for what's coming up. And I'm going to give you a few announcements. So if you want to go there, you can. Or you can go out to the desk out here in the, in the narthex and talk to a real person. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about going on to your phone. Uh, this morning we're going to take communion in a little bit. And we have the little cups with the, with the wafer in there. Did everybody get one of those? We have some ushers ready to... If you haven't got one, raise your hand so we can see where you are. There's one over here. Down here. Now, when, when you open that, you can start opening it now because it takes a little while. And uh, we want you to open it before Pastor Walter comes and preaches. I have to tell you this story. I know I shouldn't tell stories, but anyway, the, the first time we did this, when the beginning of the pandemic, we had these little cups. And they said, well, the wafer is in there. And so I'm sitting there. Uh, trying to open this thing. And if you're not careful, you can open it all at once. And I did that. And I had grape juice all over my pants. So be careful. The next women's ministry is going to take place on the 25th of February. And if you'd like to go to that, ladies, you need to sign up out in the narthex. There's information about that. And then the next child dedication is uh, February 26 at 9 a.m. in the CLC, and you need to register for that 
uh, before the 22nd. And I, I, I talked to the, the people in the first service, and as I look out all of you, I, I don't think there's too many people here that are going to dedicate their baby. <laughs> They've come to that conclusion. However, however you can, that's a very, very, very important time for the parents to stand and dedicate their children to Jesus Christ. So we need to pray for that day. It's a real important day. Then also the middle school is going to have a, um, they're going to have a, a, um, a, a, an interesting program on March the 3rd and 4th. It's a time of worship. It's an impact weekend. I don't know if you remember it last year, but they had it last year, and it was really exciting to have the kids just singing and praising, and, and uh, Pastor Jeremy leads, leads them, and it's just an exciting time for them. Tomorrow, we're going to have our senior luncheon, and so if you haven't come to that, it's going to cost $5 to come, and the Birchfield brothers are going to be sharing with us, but they're going to be in here first. So we want you to come at 11 o'clock and come in here, and they're going to share with us, and then we'll go over and eat. And if they play too long, we'll just forget the food. And, uh, and, and then we won't invite them to come back again. <laughs> so. Also on the 22nd of February, we have the congregational meeting, and that's an important one because we're going to be celebrating our new building, the G generation, at G coverage, and it's going to be exciting to hear what's going on. If you haven't known what's going on, go out and look behind the church. Don't walk up in there. You can peek around the, the, the thing and see what's happening. But God is going to do great things through our through our uh, through this uh, through this new building, this youth building, and so I I'm glad that you're here this morning. I think I got them all in the announcements. If not, you can read the bulletin. And so the Birchfield brothers are going to come and share with us now, and look forward to having you back here tomorrow morning. message. Now let's just worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
our parents taught us about the importance of prayer. And they said sometimes that means finding a place to get alone with God to pray. And our father found a place just like that in East Tennessee in the Smokies. He would go to the top of Chill Howie Mountain and be alone with God. It's what it felt like. He was up there alone with the wind, alone with the sky. He would pray for the people in the valley. And then he was so filled with joy that he would come down from the mountain whistling tunes, often an Appalachian carol. This is the way our father Riley would worship and praise the Lord in prayer, a tune called Wayfaring Stranger.
The Lord has blessed Anastasia way more than we deserve. He has placed us prominently in this location here on A1A uh, for over 50 years. And as he's placed us in this location, he's also given us a vision. He's given us a vision to reach families, to, to support parents in discipling their children. And in order to do that, we feel like the Lord is leading us in this God-sized task to construct a family ministry center and an activity center in order to better accomplish this ministry. I'd like to remind us all what we're doing, what this task is. And so let's take a glimpse of what the Lord has laid in front of us. We plan to build a new three-story family ministry center. It will replace our old and dated children's spaces and Anastasia student ministry buildings. Therefore, these single-story buildings will be removed once the new building is completed. The new three-story family center will more than replace the original square footage. Plus, we'll add more parking with over 100 new spaces where the old buildings once sat. This is all designed to be the most efficient use of the space available on our property and allow us to present a fresh and new campus entry that is welcoming to our growing community. Around the back of the Family Center, you'll notice our new administrative offices and rooftop fellowship area. One great feature of the offices is that all of the ministry and admin staff will be in one collaborative space with a common entrance into the building. On the rooftop, our Anastasia students, college ministry, and other group events can be held here in this unique outdoor setting. Now let's go inside. On entering the lobby, you'll see a bright, colorful space that's fun and inviting. There'll be a state-of-the-art check-in area that has been designed to provide the most secure environment possible for drop-off and pickup of our Anastasia kids. These spaces will also function for Anastasia Academy during the week. Kids worshiping together will be a blast in this room. There'll be lots of space, video screens, lights, and sound for an incredible space that is fun and designed for learning about the Lord. And finally, check out this new activity center. It'll be for everyone. We can hold sporting events like basketball and volleyball here. This will also serve as a gathering space for large fellowships and roundtable meals with the rest of our church family. What an amazing time it is to be a part of Anastasia Church for generations to come. I want to say thank you for your partnership up to this point. If you've been joining with us and partnering with us financially in the For Generations to Come effort, I want to say thank you. Uh, your involvement is very, very important. And then if you're new to Anastasia, I want to give you an invitation to pray and consider how the Lord would use you to join us in this God-sized task. Uh, every donation, every contribution to the For Generations to Come effort is so very important. And as we gather together in this large effort, we know that God will finish what he started, he will be glorified, and he will accomplish his work through us. Good morning, church. As I look out 
and see all of you here. It's so good to have you here this morning. And if you were with us either on campus last Sunday or online, you'll recall that we announced that beginning this Sunday, we are calling this month our offering, or what I would call our actual fruit offering for our For Generations to Come faith campaign. This will be our third year. We started this three years ago with our public launch. And uh, I told you last Sunday that uh, we eclipsed the $5 million number, but I want to give you an update because actually, as of through last Sunday's giving, you have been so generous to give $5,447,814, almost $5.5 million. And church, that is a significant number on itself, but even more so because it is that much closer to our goal of $8 million. We will be uh, getting our certificate of occupancy, at least we're hoping and praying, about one year from today to be able to occupy those buildings. And we're praying that we will be faithful and we will have $8 million by that time. And so as you came in this morning and received your bulletin, you should see inside our three uh, pamphlet uh, that talks about our For Generations to Come campaign and also our For Generations to Come envelope. And what we're asking you to do beginning today is to either individually or as a family, pray how God would have you come along and join with us. It is not the amount. It is the the fact that you come alongside and join for whatever God lays on your heart. To illustrate that point, yesterday we were across the way in the CLC doing our men's event And we had a raffle afterwards, and Lowe's had donated a gas grill, and we we raffled it off, and the man who won it, he said, I don't want it. He said, I want to give it back to the For Generations to Come Faith campaign, so let's do an auction. So we did, and we raised $200. So it's actually $200 more than what that number I just gave you. And the man who bought that donated it to the youth. So it's just a gift that just keeps on giving. But anyway, just faithfully pray, and thank you so much, church, for your faithfulness. God bless. Good morning, church. I'm so grateful that I'm part of this family. I'm more grateful that I'm a part of the family of God. That, you know, I'm a sinner like everybody, but my sins are forgiven. It's not because of anything I've done. It's not because I went to seminary. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's only because Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, paid the atoning sacrifice. I mean, that atoning sacrifice means the the only sacrifice that's enough to pay restitution, divine restitution for my sins. I'm so grateful that he paid the price for me. And he did that for everyone. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, I invite you to participate in the Lord's Supper with us. You don't have to be a part of of a Baptist church or this church. This is a Jesus thing. This is not not a a Baptist thing. This is what Jesus said. And so I want to invite you to be a part of this with us. Um, We're going to pray. The Lord says that we should examine ourselves first. Let's take just a moment and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I ask that you would help us to prepare our hearts. Lord, as we take of this bread and this cup, Lord, that we would remember that this is your body and your blood. Lord, help us to remember that we need this sacrifice. Lord, that we can't get to heaven on our own, but you did everything that's necessary if we just trust in you. And Lord, we come remembering that important thing you did and you get all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I peel back just that top layer and it exposes the bread, 
Jesus said on the night he was betrayed, he, he, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your body, Lord, yourself, that you came down in human form, Lord God incarnate. And that in your divinity and humanity, you took what was there and you gave it for us, Lord. By your stripes, we're healed. Lord, I pray that, that not only would we remember what you did, Lord, that we would follow you in that example of sacrifice, serving you, Lord, to your glory. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's partake. And the Bible tells us that in the same manner after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, as we take this cup, Lord, we remember that your blood poured out freely for us. A sacrifice for us, Lord, is what paid the payment of our sins. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as we take it, Lord, I pray not only would we rededicate ourselves to you, but Lord, that we would, we would be so grateful, Lord, our hearts overflowing with thanksgiving. And Lord, as we take this, Lord, help us to remember and never forget that it's you who brings us to heaven. It's you that gives us life forever with you in heaven. And Lord, we take it gratefully. In your precious name of Jesus, I pray. All God's people said, amen. Let's partake together. And Jesus taught us something else that we try to remind ourselves here at Anastasia every time we, we do this. Another teaching that Jesus had that night he was betrayed, he said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. God bless your church family. You know, as we move into the... Uh, into the message, I just want to say something about um, what Lewis had mentioned uh, about this new building. We're not building this building, this family ministry center for our glory. We're building it for the glory of God, and we're building it to reach families in crisis, families that are in crisis, desperately needed children, preschool, and uh, preschool children and youth space. And uh, just so you know, we have a goal. We have a goal when we move into that building that we'll have $8 million paid off. What we're trying to say is that when we get into that building, it will be half paid off, okay? Now, you know what that also means? <laughs> we're not just trying to get $8 million. So if anybody wants to give a larger tech of $10 million, we'll take that too. <laughs> but, uh, but this is a God-sized task. We remind ourselves over and over again about it. We don't want you to forget because we're doing the biggest thing we have ever done, and we've stepped out in faith to do it. And I just want to thank you ahead of time uh, for what you're going to do. Thank you already for what you've done over the past three years. And we're going to give God all the glory for all the victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we're in a series we're calling it Lead Me to the Cross. We are moving toward the cross as we go through John 13 through 17 in the Bible, we're looking at the farewell words of Jesus because, you know, farewell words are very important. And uh, as we're coming to this place 
in the Bible, uh, as I come to John chapter 15, starting at verse 18, it talks about how followers of Jesus relate to the world. And we need to know this because, you know, the path to the cross is counterintuitive. Sometimes it does not go the same way our, our mind in the flesh goes. Uh, the path to the cross is countercultural. Our culture does not naturally move toward uh, the cross. We, we say we live in a Christian culture or a, uh, a, a nation that was founded on Christian principles. Certainly we were, but we're not in a Christian culture. Although we do worship freely, you know, our, our culture by and large is not following the principles of the Bible. Uh, in our society, in our day and age, when someone says that they're a Christian, that can mean something incredible that can mean a whole profound understanding of who they are or it could mean absolutely nothing there are people that say they're a christian and and it doesn't mean anything at all so how do serious followers of jesus christ interact in this kind of society that's what i want to talk about today and uh, that is what Jesus is addressing in John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. So uh, let's hear the most important words, his words. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as I read starting at John chapter 15, verse 18. Here's what Jesus said. He said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done anything, if I had not done among them the works that, that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they've seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they'll do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your words. Lord, they're encouraging words for us, Lord, that you have us in your hands. And Lord, I ask that you would just bless us as we follow your word and trust your power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So calling myself a Christian doesn't make me a follower of Christ. Being born into a Christian family does not make me a follower of Jesus Christ. Coming to church occasionally 
does not make me a follower of Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that makes me a follower of Jesus Christ. That's actually following Jesus Christ. That's what makes me a follower of Jesus, when I actually follow him, when I'm a disciple of Jesus. And I want to remind you what I said two weeks ago when I was here with you last, what a disciple is. This is what a disciple is. A disciple is someone who has faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. A disciple is someone who is being transformed by Christ. Now, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to let the Lord move in you and grow you. And a disciple in Christ is someone who is engaged in the mission of Jesus Christ. That's what a, that's what a disciple is. And Jesus said, you know, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm not everyone that says they're Christians going to enter into the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. In the United States today, there are a lot more people who call themselves Christian than there are people who are actual followers of Jesus Christ. Okay. In 2021, uh, other people who call themselves Christian in the United States, I'm not talking about the whole United States population, just the people that call themselves Christian, okay? Those, those that, that identify with us. 60% of those who call themselves Christian, do not believe the words of Jesus in John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. 60% of people who call themselves Christian believe that there are many ways to get to heaven, despite what the Word of God says. Now, praise God when you come into Bible teaching churches and they, they take that as a subset, that, that, that statistic changes. Praise the Lord, okay? But, you know, there's a significant of people, uh, percentage of people who call themselves Christian that don't believe in our first core value of faith here at Anastasia, that Jesus is the way, okay? So what is our relationship? What is our relationship with that kind of world? Well, uh, let me first define what I mean by world for the purposes of this message, okay? When I talk about world, uh, you know it can mean the earth, but I'm not going to be talking about the earth when I say the world today. It can mean all of humanity, but I'm not really talking about all of humanity. In this passage and many times in the New Testament, the word I'm using is, is that word cosmos. And that means the world, that part of the world, that part of life and culture that is currently under the power and influence of sin and death. That's what the world relates to. In the Bible, when it says the world, it's talking about that part of culture that's not under the lordship of Jesus Christ, not under the surrendering of Jesus Christ. They're, they're under the influence of sin and death rather than, rather than Christ. That's the definition. So, uh, you know, we, we live in a world that has sin in it. You, you're, we can't expect not to live in a world that's without sin. You know, uh, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, you know the story, Adam and Eve and sin came into the world. And so since that time, since the Garden of Eden, there's been sin in the world and sin will be in the world until the day Jesus comes and he will cause sin and death to be gone and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and a new paradise. But until that time, we're living between the paradises, okay, of the Garden even and the new heaven and earth. And what are we, we got to live in this world, right? And we need to live in this world effectively as followers of Jesus. How do I do that? How do I do that? Well, he tells us here. You know, the world is, is under the influence of sin. As a matter of fact, it is groaning under the influence of sin. You know, there was one sin that started. Then there was another sin, and there are consequences to that sin. Do you realize that we're living under the accumulated weight of accumulated sin 
of century after century and generation after generation, you wonder why the world is not like you wish the world could be? Well, and it affects everything, everything. Do you know why eggs are so expensive in the store these days? <laughs> Ever wonder why? It's because of sin. It's because of sin. Because you see, there's sin and death and there's, there's a, an epidemic going on and there are chickens being killed by some sort of flu. Well, sin and death came in the world because of sin. Everything that goes wrong is ultimately because of sin in this world. Everything. And so, you know, as a follower of Jesus, I know my sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. Your sins are forgiven. Praise the Lord. I know that as a follower of Jesus that, that when I leave this earthly body and this body dies, I'm not going to die. I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven, so I don't fear death. But I still live in this sin-influenced world, and I'm still living in this body that's vulnerable to sins of the flesh. And so how do I do this? Here's the first point. If you're using the bulletin notes in the, uh, notes in the bulletin, here's the first note I want to share with you. Followers of Jesus are in a love-hate relationship with the world. We're in a love-hate relationship with the world. It's a complicated relationship, okay? And here's what I mean. And this is the second point. Followers of Jesus must love the world that hates our complete faith in Jesus. We must love the world, the people in the world, even though they hate our complete faith in Jesus. We're called to love the world. Love is our greatest command, right? Another core value at Anastasia. Love is our greatest command. And even those that hate us, we're supposed to love our enemies. Amen? Okay, most of you, okay. <laughs> Not taking a poll, but, but anyway. But you know, and, and most of the time, if you say you're a Christian, most people get along with that if you just say you're a Christian. But if you're all in for Jesus, suddenly there are some people that have problems with that. The world hates when we have complete faith in Jesus. Our culture doesn't have a problem with people simply calling themselves Christians. But if you're serious about your faith and if you're sincere and if you're trying to let the words of Jesus and new life in Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit affect everything that you do, and that means it starts affecting other people as well, there, there are people that have a problem with that. It's a love-hate relationship. And we love. We always love. That's our part in it. We love even though we're hated. So how do we do this? As I'm going through this passage here, I find seven principles here that help me. I could probably find more, but I only have 14 more minutes. So I just, I stopped at seven. Because <laughs> it's, it's so rich. It's so rich. But in verses 18 and 19, Jesus says, if the world hates you, and it will, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And it says, if you are of the world... The world will love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, we're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, okay? So we're not of the world. That's part of the problem. We're not, we're not with them. It's not, that's probably the solution, actually. But you see, we're not in the world. We're out of the world. In the Greek, that's ectocosmo. You are ectocosmo. Did you know that? You are, cosmo means of the world. You are out of this world. You guys are out of this world. Did you know that? Yeah, ectocosmo. Say ectocosmo. Ectocosmo. Yeah, you're out of this world. Okay? We're, we're out of this world. So, so the first point is this. Don't conform for the world's approval. That's not what we're living for. Live for Jesus. Don't conform for the world's approval. Why? Because we are ectocosmo. We're out of the world. We're not endocosmo in the world. We're ectocosmo. We're in Christ 
and out of the world. We try to relate to the world so that we can share Jesus with them. That's what we do. But we're not of the world. Okay, so we don't seek its approval. We seek the approval of only one person. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for us on the cross. That's the only one. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You know what? The, the world that is, that is not transformed, is not under the influence of the Lord, has no idea what the will of God is, and that's our purpose, is salt and light. We're to help them understand what the will of God is, Right? And that means we can't conform to the world. We have to be transformed by Jesus, okay? So that's the first thing. The second thing I see comes in verses 20 and 21. And Jesus talks about that, that a servant is not greater than his master. And you know, the, you know the hierarchy here, right? The assumed hierarchy. He is the master and we're the servants, right? Right, okay. He is the master and we're the servants, Right. Okay, good. And so his words are greater than my words, right? Okay, that's the point here. You see, the word of God is sufficient for, for navigating life and culture. He said, if they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. But you know, Jesus is the master. He is the way. And his words are recorded in the Bible. That's why we say Jesus is the way and the Bible is the what? Map. Yes, Jesus is the way and the Bible is the map, okay? Because his words are more important. So, so don't be tempted to bypass the word of God with your own explanations of how things should be. See, it's the word of God. Don't be tempted to trust my own words over Jesus. And this is the second point is, is trust the words of Jesus over my own. Trust the words of Jesus over my own. I know it can be hard because sometimes it's hard to have agreement with people when, when they don't really get it. And, and sometimes people can get mad. Maybe you get mad. I don't know. But, but let me tell you, his words are perfect. The words of Jesus have power. The words of Jesus bring eternal life. Mine don't. Mine don't. The only words that bring eternal life are the words of Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I don't want to speak words just to make people happy. And, and let me tell you, that's sort of my tendency in life. I try to make people happy. I try to smooth things over. You know, that's a natural tendency. But, you know, I need to trust the words of Jesus over my own. That's what's authoritative. So only Jesus can bring eternal life. So only his words are, are the most important words. So, so that's the first thing. That's the second thing. First thing, I don't want to live for the world's approval. I want to live for Jesus's. Um, I don't want to trust my words. I want to trust Jesus's words. And here's something else I see. Jesus said in verse 24, if I'd not done among them the works that no one else did, they'd not be guilty of sin. But now that they have seen and hated, now they have seen and hated both me and my father. So they saw the power. They recognized the power of God. They saw the miracles of God. And you think when someone would see the miracles of God, that they would just fall in line and say, man, I want to follow this. But do you realize that didn't happen in Jesus' day? Jesus raised, people, raised Lazarus from the dead, and, and suddenly uh, the Pharisees are trying to figure out how to kill him. We don't want this to happen. You know, that's not what happens. God still works. Recognize the power of God. Recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. Believe in a miracle working God. I believe that our God still performs miracles. I, I have seen it happen over and over again where I've prayed and, and then suddenly the difficult problem was suddenly gone. That was God. That wasn't anything I could control. 
I, I believe in miracles. I expect miracles, and I love God, the miracle worker. And that's the next point. Believe in miracles, expect miracles, and love the miracle worker. Uh, I enjoy reading through the book of Revelation, and, and one of the signs of the end times is that people will see the power of God, and they will hate the power of God and hate God. I mean, you look at Revelation chapter 6 through 16, and, and things are getting worse and worse and worse and worse until Jesus comes. And, and, and the power of God is increasingly displayed, and it's against this backdrop of increasing defiance and hatred against God. The people that are seeing God rain down his judgment, they're not bowing down in repentance and saying, Lord, I was wrong. I want to serve you now. They are raising their, shift, their fist in defiance against God, and they hate God. It's amazing to me. But that's what happens. Believe in God. Believe in miracles. Expect miracles. When you pray, expect miracles. And then love the miracle worker. Love the miracle worker. I see something else here. In verse 25, he says, But the, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. They hated Jesus for no reason whatsoever. The biggest stumbling block to the gospel is the gospel. The biggest stumbling block to receiving life forever in Jesus as a free gift of grace is this idea that we can't earn it on our own and, and so many people trip up on that stumbling block. They can't understand that we are allowed, we are given entrance into heaven, forgiveness of our sins, and we don't have to pay anything for that. We don't have to pay the restitution because Jesus said the biggest stumbling block to people receiving the gospel is just the gospel. They struggle with that. That's what it says in Galatians. It says it's a scandal on. It's, a, it's, it's this, this stumbling block for people. And our human pride keeps us from accepting unconditional forgiveness or maybe our lack of self-worth and we think we're not good enough. And so we can't accept uh, salvation on our own. It's a stumbling block. And so if that is the only stumbling block, this should be for the gospel, okay? We don't need to add extra stumbling blocks. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes you can live in a way that adds extra stumbling blocks to the gospel. And so here is uh, my next point. Don't give the world extra cause to hate the gospel. What I'm saying is, you know, you can... You're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you can do that being a good neighbor or a bad neighbor. But if you're a bad neighbor, you're putting up an extra stumbling block. You can, be, uh, you can be someone who is trusting the Lord, and you can be grumpy and grouchy, or you can be loving. If you're grumpy and grouchy, you're putting up a stumbling block to the gospel. So don't put up stumbling blocks. There's already a stumbling block, just the truth of the gospel. And, and, and those things keep us from being effective as witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, we're having a congregation meeting February 26. And uh, I'm going to ask the congregation to do something I've never asked the congregation to do before. I'm going to ask the congregation to take the money that we'd normally give to the uh, executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention and direct it elsewhere. And here's why. Uh, there's a sexual abuse, sexual harassment scandal on the national level. It came out last year. And they're taking care of it. All the old guard is gone, and they're trying to handle it, but they're handling it very slow, in my opinion. I think they can handle it much faster, and I think we should share a message uh, to that body that, uh, that, that's not, that that's something we can't tolerate. 
And uh, what I'm asking us to do as church is to vote that what portion of our cooperative program giving that would go to the executive committee, it comes up to about $700 a month, that, that that for 2023 be directed to the Florida Baptist Children's Home, those who are vulnerable to child sexual abuse. Now, why are we, yeah, why are we doing this? Because that issue of sexual abuse and sexual harassment is an important issue. It's a stumbling block to the gospel. And we need to take away stumbling blocks to the gospel. And, and so uh, that, that's, that's so important uh, for us because the gospel is a big enough stumbling block in itself. We don't, want people, we don't want people to die and go to hell because we let people in leadership do bad things. And so anyway, we need to make sure that the only stumbling block to the gospel is the truth of the gospel, okay? We want to present it pure. So uh, don't give the world extra cause to hate the gospel. I see another, another point here that Jesus told us. He said, when the helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he'll bear witness about me. And then he says, we're going to be bearing witness about him. When we, what we are is we are witnesses of Jesus Christ, right? We share about Jesus Christ. If we're putting anyone in the spotlight, who are we putting in the spotlight? It's Jesus Christ, right? It's not us. Not us. We're not pointing people to Jesus. And so the next point is this. If we really want to be effective in relating to this world, we do not want to put the spotlight on ourselves. We don't want to hog the martyrdom spotlight. That's the point there. We want to point to Jesus. We want to point to Jesus. You know, as, as we stand up to situations, it's not because of how good we are. It's because of how great the Lord is. That's what we want to do. Always point to Jesus. When we build this building here, it's not because Anastasia is great. It's because God is great. And we want people to know the truth of Jesus Christ so they can find that amazing thing, life forever with Jesus in heaven. That's what we're going to do. We never want to put ourselves on a pedestal. You know why? Pedestals are slippery. It's easy to fall off a pedestal. So never put yourself up on a pedestal. Always point people to Jesus because, you know, I didn't come to earth to save people. Jesus did, okay? He's the one who died for us because he's the, one who, he's the only one who could give that sacrifice for us. So I, I can't do that. Only he can do that. Uh, another point, point six out of seven. I'm moving into John chapter 16. And Jesus said, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus knew that there was a danger of falling away. Jesus knew that dealing with a world that is not, not going in sync with us, it's tiring. It's tiring to go upstream, isn't it? It's tiring to go against the flow. And sometimes you just want to give it up and just say, ah, just forget it. And Jesus said, don't, don't fall away. Don't fall away. And so this next point is this. Keep standing for Christ. Endure, persevere. It's hard, it's costly, but it's so worth it. And the last thing I want to share is this. This is from verse 4. Jesus said, I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember. You may remember. I want you to remember. We did Lord's Supper earlier today. We observed the Lord's Supper because we want you to remember what Jesus did. But also, I don't want you just to know that Jesus died for you. I want you to remember that Jesus is alive. He's alive for you. He's living for you. And so the last point I want to share is this. Never forget that Jesus is alive and that he loves you. He's alive. 
and he loves you. So, so don't conform to this world for approval. Uh, trust the words of Jesus over my own. Believe in his miracles. Don't give the world extra cause to hate the gospel. Don't be the martyr. Don't hog the martyrdom spotlight. Point people to Jesus. Keep standing for Jesus. And never forget that he loves you. These are steps I see in this passage that helps me deal with a world that is different than my understanding because the world is going its way and I am ectocosmo. I'm out of this world. Did you know that? I'm out of this world. You're out of this world. You know. Let me ask you, are you out of this world? Are you good? Maybe you're here today and, and you're not out of this world. You, what I'm saying doesn't make any sense to you. Maybe you're here today and you're thinking, maybe it does make sense, but I don't really know about this trusting Jesus stuff. You know, if you've never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, here's how you do it. It's not hard. It's, it's amazingly simple. You say, Lord Jesus, you pray to the Lord Jesus and say, I believe you are alive. I believe you died for my sins. You pray and say, Lord, please forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. And the Bible says that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of sins and cleanse us from all our righteousness. That starts the journey. That starts the journey. It's as simple as that. He does everything everything else. All we do is make that lifetime commitment to follow him as Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, you can do it right now where you are. Your eyes can be open. Your eyes can be closed. You can do it right now where you are. And you know what happens when you receive him as Savior? He gives you eternal life. Life forever with Jesus in heaven. He gives you joy and peace and new purpose and second chances. And you start over. If you've never done that, you should do that today. You should do that before you leave this place. It will be the best thing you've ever done in your life. And are you already out of this world? Are you already ectocosmo? Well, you know, are you ready to move out into a world today that you might be out of sync with and it sounds hard? But let me tell you, in the power of Jesus, you can do it. You can overcome in his power. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would move among us. And Lord, if there is someone that needs to trust in you as Savior today, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit is giving them that encouragement, that conviction, Lord, to, to take that step of faith. Lord, if, if there are some of us that struggle with, with dealing with family members or our neighbors or coworkers, Lord, in, in, in living our faith out in this world, Lord, give us wisdom. Lord, give us endurance. Give us conviction, Lord. And Lord, everything, Lord, to your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I invite you to stand right now. We're going to have a hymn of response. And as you stand, we're going to sing this last song. If you want to join the church, come up here and talk to me, and we'll connect you with the counselor. If you want to get baptized and let the world know you're a follower of Jesus, you come with me at the same time. Or, or if you just want to know what it means to trust Jesus, we'll have counselors that help you take that next step, and you will be blessed. Okay? Yep.
Perfect submission. Ready? Perfect submission. fellowship, the interaction with one another, the lyrics to our songs. Father, may these things bring joy to us, but above all, Father, may they remind us of the love that you have for us and then what you expect from us. Father, you have planned our steps and our week is planned by your hand. Your word says, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Father, as we love you, may we be expecting the things that you've prepared for us. May they cause us to give testimony of how you have worked in us and through us as we gather next week. Father, keep those things close to our hearts and make us willing to share that we can encourage others. Father, we give you our lives this week. Bless us as we leave. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.